What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Comet ML Open Office Hours. It is Sunday, June 20th, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the audience uh, yep. and, and everybody out there. Yeah, I got my rad dad t-shirt on <laughs> representing. Had a had a good Father's Day morning with the, with the wife and son. Super happy to have all of you guys here, man. I'm excited to get this thing going. Um, if you guys have questions on anything at all, by all means, go ahead. Just let me know by either raising your hand or dropping the question in the chat um, and we'd be happy to get to that question i guess you know let's let's uh let's start let's start let's start off with the question here how about this since it is father's day let's uh let's get the conversation warmed up just a little bit by talking about the uh, the, the the biggest lesson that you've learned from your father that's really stuck with you throughout all these years. Um, so it could be father or a father figure, grandpa, whatever, whoever the father in your life is. Let's let's hear some some of that. Um, Asha, let's let's start with you. I think Asha is muted again. Yeah. Sorry, my my mouse had skipped to the other screen. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Nothing is coming to mind. I'll go back to me. I'll go back yeah, to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'll get kicked off here. I, I remember this this one saying that my my dad uh, shared with me a long, long time ago, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. But uh, he said something uh, that, that really stuck with me, and it was that the idle man's brain is the devil's workshop. And I never really understood what that meant. Um, but as I got older, I'm beginning to kind of realize that the idle man's brain is a devil workshop. And um, I think what he's trying to say is if you don't have anything going in your life, then you might just start doing bad things. But then now I'm starting to realize the uh, importance of being idle and being still and uh, really questioning that piece of advice that he's given me all those years ago. Uh, what about you, Austin? I was going to say, that's really interesting too. And I think sometimes like we, we just assume that this idea of the devil's workshop, we could also, you could also think of that as sort of like, it's something that runs counter to, like it allows you to run counter to the sort of the supposed narrative or something like that. I kind of like that as like, maybe you spin that in a more positive way to like, you know, um, anyways, um, my dad, I think uh, he he was retired by the time I was like five or six years old. So I got to spend like a whole lot of time with him. And I think, um, you know, I think there's me and my, my brother both are kind of hard workers and nose to the grindstone or whatever. And I think my dad really had a different perspective. Like he wanted to like retire as soon as he could and just be with his family. And I think like that will really serve me well. Um, it's just like this inner Zen that I just don't quite get, but I really admire. And I think like in the long run, that'll serve me really well as I, you know, if I look to start a family or, or things like that. So um, that's probably the thing for my dad that I've learned. That's super important. That sounds like my kind of guy, man. I definitely, uh, definitely like like your dad's perspective on 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 life. There, uh, just for everybody that's just joining us, thanks for for joining. And we're just getting the conversation warmed up since it is Father's Day. We're just talking real quick about you know a big lesson that we've learned from from a father figure in our life. Um, uh, if you guys have questions, by all means, let me know right there in the chat or raise your hand and we'll be happy to uh, to get you on for your question. But let's go to Marin. Marin, what's something that uh, a lesson that you've learned? Uh, a, a very clear lesson, one that stuck with me a long time ago. Uh, uh, the advice was never beat yourself up. There are enough people to do that for you. Uh, and <laughs> I know that it's not very positive, but that's something that I, I learned a long time ago. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, 
Asha, anything come to mind yet? If not, no worries. We can continue moving on. Uh, but yeah, just trying to get the conversation warmed up here, guys. So uh, if anybody has any questions on anything, data science, machine learning, job search related statistics, whatever your question may be, uh, go ahead and let's, uh, let's, let's see if we can get you some help or point you in the right direction. I'd be happy to, uh, to assist. I see some new names here that I haven't seen before, so I'm excited to, to have all you guys here. Shout out to Marco, Parat, Dipesh, Satya, um, Adam's a, a good friend and regular. And now we got uh, Jan C, Ronnie P in the house. Um, but yeah, let's, let's open it up. Asha, any questions or any, any, anything? How's your week been? Yeah, one, Asha's just getting her audio set up, it looks like. No, my lights went out in the middle of oh. everything. <laughs> I'm trying to switch off everything I had switched on. Oh, yeah, no worries. I'm not bad. I've had a pretty pleasant week, if I'm being honest. Yeah, good. I like that. I like hearing that. You making your way to that statistics textbook? <laughs> will I ever? <laughs> I'm realizing I just need to go through the topics that I need. That was just too much. Yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff gets really, really deep in the weeds. I mean, especially if you have like a mathematical statistics textbook that will kind of take you far off track. Um, but I think some of the things that that I would focus on at the very, very start from the outset um, when it comes to statistics, definitely just the foundational stuff, right? And the foundational stuff that could be just the sampling, sampling distributions, um, and you know, central limit theorem. That's super important. Uh, hypothesis testing, ANOVA, regression analysis, things like that. Foundational stuff, and from there you just kind of build up and up and up and up. Um, but th there's a, a course I came across. It's not as I guess you can call it a course. It's more kind of a entertainment thing. It's on Amazon Prime, and um, it's, it's a package within Amazon Prime you can buy, which is called The Great Courses, but I'm pretty sure you can purchase a subscription to The Great Courses uh, as a standalone, but they had this really cool learning statistics series uh, that I've been watching, you know, watch a couple episodes on the weekend just to kind of refresh and, and stay up on things. And I found it to be really, really uh, helpful and useful. They do all the coding examples in R, so it's like pretty, pretty fun uh, to see as well, but they make it really inter interesting and, and entertaining. Um, but yeah, let's open it up to the to the floor. I'm uh, happy to take questions from from anyone. Merrick, go for it. I see you are. Yeah, uh, I have a couple of questions, but let's do it one by one. Yeah, uh, definitely. Tackle one first. Uh, recently, this week I had chat with two guys that I connected through with my, uh, basically was introduced to by my mentor from the Springboard program. I just graduated from there. Uh, and one of the question was, I'm obviously job hunting and looking at uh, uh, job postings. And it seems like there are fewer job postings that look for the traditional data scientist type of role, like case data or whatever data you have, please look at it, process it, uh, in, do imputations, analyze it, visualize it, do modeling and give us some insight. This is what I call a traditional data scientist. Be, and, yeah. and lately I see more of a shift to, uh, it's not only data scientist, but it's also data engineering and machine learning engineering. Mostly actually having to do all of this stuff, but making it to production, build the pipelines, find a way to do the automation, to, to do the basically maintenance of the whole thing, and yeah, bringing models to production. 
uh, do share that and what is your experience guys it looks like yeah. I'm more, more trained up to now into the traditional data scientist mode mm -hmm. and now I'm trying to figure out hey should I start basically learning the new skills because it seems like the market is shifting yeah so I would say to to that like i definitely agree with that traditional data scientist type role but all those skills that you defined that would be like a skill of like an entire department for sure a bunch of different skill sets coming together to make something huge but any individual one person on that team should have knowledge about how to do all of those things right because it's all really really important because in the real world very rarely do you just get data kind of just handed to you in a nice csv or in a nice database you often have to find the different sources of data, you're then going to have to extract them, transform them, combine them, stash that into like a, a not like you know a data science sandbox kind of database, and then from there, right? That's that, what well, everything up to that point is just data engineering, right? That's just taking data from some sources and doing an ETL process, putting it into like a sandbox where then now you can start doing some analysis and and things like that, and then from there, obviously, you're going to have to be able to think about how you're building your model, how you're going to productionize it, right? How we're going to expose this model to some API uh, so that when we throw a row vector at it of raw data, that once that raw data is ingested, it needs to go through the same ETL process. It needs to be prepared in the way that the model is expecting the input so that it could serve the output. Um, so uh, let me know if, if that's making sense what I'm saying, but um, yeah, like, I think any individual data scientist should have knowledge of that entire process. And when push comes to, to shove, like you got to be able to execute that uh, on your own for sure. But it's very hard to do well with without like a, a team and, and support, right? Well, that, that's what uh, kind of I'm afraid, of, uh, not afraid of, but uh, uh, yes, the whole process is basically team-based thing. And yeah, I have understanding and I have done actually some of the collecting data from different sources, processing it and so on. I never have actually built a model that goes into production yeah. uh, and in a way. Uh, I, I know the steps, but I have never done it. And if push comes to shove, I'll be able to do it. I mean, it will take yeah. me probably a couple of weeks to figure it out, but I'll do it. But the problem is that now looking at these jobs of openings, it's like you have experience in putting models in production for so many years. So, so let me just let me just pause you real quick though. Everything I just described, that type of person, that's not an entry level candidate, right? Everything I've just described of that, what any individual data scientist should do, that's like a person that's got like at least two to three years of experience. Mm -hmm. Entry level data scientist, I would expect just to be able to do the traditional stuff, and then have the ability to learn everything else on the job. Um, but you will find. Um, you know, you'll find crazy job descriptions that will list all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's not your role to disqualify yourself, to apply for them anyways, see what happens. Um, that's, that's all I got to say about, about that. Like at the end of the day, just ignore what the job description is asking for and then, <laughs> and then just, just apply anyways. Right. Um, I see Adam has his hand up, so go for it, Adam. Uh, I, I would disagree with that. Um, first of all, the average entry-level job posting requires two to three years of experience. Yep. Um, and so it's important to understand that opportunities to join fields are generally few and far between. 
people tend to stay in their track. And if they lose their job, that's kind of the end of their career. Um, if you're doing data, you're very likely not working on a large team. So you are going to have to do everything. Um, they just want you to do more now. And they definitely don't want to take a chance on someone who hasn't done it before. C.1 about opportunities to join fields being few and far between. So I don't really know how fruitful it would be to try to upskill yourself. Yeah, um, I'm just going to put you on, on mute there. I, that's a very pessimistic viewpoint. And if you want to limit yourself to that, by all means do. Um, I'm going to disagree with everything you're saying, just because as a hiring manager myself, hiring entry-level candidates, I don't expect three years of experience doing all that stuff. If I'm hiring an entry-level candidate, I'm hiring somebody who has the ability to learn and maybe has demonstrated that with some type of uh, work project, right? Or personal project. Um, <laughs> the whole thing about your career being over if you lose your job, man, like that's not true. People can reskill, upskill, and move into different things. Um, yeah. So, Asha, go for it. Um, I also wanted to disagree. Um, I've applied for jobs that I'm definitely underqualified for. But one thing I've noticed in this field is with a lot of the applications for the jobs, they send some form of test for you to do. As, as long as you pass the test, you can just apply. Yeah. I'm proof of that. Yeah. I mean... That's why they have these coding challenges is to assess your ability to do the job and your ability to uh, do the actual work when it comes time to, right? And let's be clear here, two to three years of experience does not mean two to three years of work experience on the job. You can gain experience in this field without a job. It's the beauty of open source, right? It's not like, two, like okay, you can't gain two to three years of experience as a brain surgeon without actually having to be a brain surgeon or two or three years of experience as a doctor without actually being in the field, being a doctor. But as a data scientist, as somebody moving into data science or software or IT, given the nature of our field, you can gain the years of experience by doing shit on your own, on your own personal time, building out projects. So when people say two to three years of experience, you don't automatically think work experience at a company. You can build two to three years of experience on your own if you need to. And plus, two to three years of experience, really what that means is not actually physically that number of years. It's the quality of the experience that counts, right? Over the course of nine months to 15 months, you can get a ton of experience doing stuff. You can upskill tremendously. Um, so it's not that hard. So if you keep on fucking thinking that it's difficult for you to get a job in data science, then you're going to have a difficult time getting a job in data science. It's really, it's, it's just doing projects, working through stuff and demonstrating that you have the capability of doing the job through a project, through the coding challenges and things like that. So I'll pause there before I start ranting like crazy. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's a sort of fade on. Uh, follow up on you. I think actually I, I'm sort of split in between between Adam and you, Patrice. I think that the two are kind of extremes. You are sort of a unicorn yeah. <laughs> in a way, thinking that yeah, uh, uh, you can gain. I, I agree that you can gain in 12 months experience that equals two or three years experience. Yeah. That That's absolutely true. But I don't think a lot of People who are in position, or let's put it that way, the decision makers, the hiring managers, I don't think that they think that way. No, uh, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm coming from different industry, 15 years experience in wireless communication, and I have rarely met a person who is a manager and thinks, oh, yeah, I understand that in one year you could have learned things that some other 
person to take them five years to do. Yeah, that's not the type of manager I would want to work for in the first place. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if but, that is who I'm interviewing for and somebody has a mentality, well, fuck, sorry, man, I'm not going to work for you. But, but that, that's the problem that you and the guys like you are unicorns. So how do you find this unicorn software? Well, you you got to remember when you're in the job search process, you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. So you can you can make sure that you're going for places that have the right fit. And look, like you know, as part of Dave Center's dream job, I've mentored literally two thousand seven hundred students, and I've helped people go from knowing nothing about, you know, data science, breaking into the field, giving them a concrete roadmap and saying, do these things, execute on it. And within within a year, right, you'll have a job in data, right? Whether that's data analyst, data scientist, data engineer, whatever, it's possible, man. Like it's it's definitely possible. That changed my mind a lot. What I did? didn't know that you had done this. I just thought that you were someone with a podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? No, dude. <laughs> I have a podcast. Yes, I am just someone with a podcast, but um, I'm actually a data scientist. I'm actually a hiring manager. I'm the, the head of a data science department. I've helped literally, literally thousands of people break into data science. Uh, so when I talk, it's because I talk from experience. And I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that part with the thousands of people you've helped. Wow. Thank you. Um, I will definitely believe you more, a lot more now. I mean, yeah. No. Glad. Uh, any other questions? Go for it. Uh, sort of, I was thinking something to follow up on what you said. And, uh, oh, okay. It came back to me. Sorry, I'm kind of hijacking this, but I'm really, really in this situation now that it, everything resonates a lot with me. And sometimes I feel, how to put it, angry listening to, to somebody say, and that's my question, actually. I completely agree that within a year, if you put the work, you can find a job. That, that's absolutely true. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I don't have a one year of sort of solidly working on getting the job. I have done, I mean, I started with online courses, basically bumping from one course to another, doing my own projects, but that was not the real work. Uh, only when I joined the, the data science bootcamp, I realized that, okay, this is a structured thing, this is what you need to do, and so now I'm in my job. And, which, uh, uh, okay. which, which job market are you in again? Are you you're in uh, the States or you're in Europe? It's, uh, no, it's USA. San, oh. I'm actually located in San Diego. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, uh, so I agree with you that one year is a reasonable period to expect to, to get a job. Of course, depends on a lot of conditions, uh, right time, right person, talking to the right person, uh, hitting the right position or so on. Uh, but one thing that bothers me a lot and actually it's kind of harmful is when people come up and some of these people are pretty active in the community and some of them I respect a lot, come up with this sort of challenges, get to that same job in 99 days. Uh, and I think that a lot of guys like me who are trying to get into the data set. And, and there is this sort of underlying uh, statement that goes through the whole that idea is that if you put all, if you give your 100%, you can absolutely certainly can get it. It is possible, actually. That, that, that was the statement. It is possible to get a job in 99 days. So there, there are different things playing on here. Yeah, it is possible to get a job in 99 days in that sense but what is actually the the probability to get the job it is possible to win the lottery but the probability is i mean the mega millions but the probability is one over 400 million about that 
So it is possible doesn't mean that uh, 10 out of 100 people will find a, a job in 99 days. Uh, yeah, look, so, it's, so, so it's all about this, man. It is there. Uh, I feel very strongly about it. The, the other point that uh, the, the second part of the statement is that if you put, if you give all, all you get, all, all you can, it all, actually the statement was something like it all depends on you to, to find a job. And I disagree completely with that. And it all de- it depends on a lot of other factors that you cannot control. As I said, right timing, right, right person to talk to, right position and so on. But when you put a statement like that, it all depends on you. And now I'm in a position, again, I agree that I started just recently seriously working on finding a job. But let's say in two, three months, I don't get a job, find a job or whatever. Uh, so when somebody tells me that it all depends on me, I'm starting to feel, well, this guy says that it's possible and I'm not getting the job. What's wrong with me? I mean, yeah, and that's so, kind of the downside of the of this statement. A lot of people get discouraged because you, you put out the statement that, hey, it is possible to find a job in 99 days. Uh, how come I couldn't find it? Am I the stupidest person? I get your point. Let's, let's, can, let's pause it real quick. So yeah. it's possible for me to learn the guitar in 99 days, right? I've got a guitar sitting there uh, that I've had for forever. Still don't fucking know how to play it. You know why? Because I haven't practiced. I haven't touched the thing. I haven't figured out how to play it, right? The interview process, people don't don't look at it this way. It is a skill. Interviewing is a skill. The entire job search process is a skill. And within this thing, there are elements within your control. If you focus and optimize on the things that you can control, let me tell you how much of this process you can control. Step one. You control your resume. Is your resume complete fucking trash? Nobody's going to call you back. Optimize that shit, right? Make your resume look stellar, right? Step two, when you reach out to people, are you just like, please, sir, look at my resume, right? Or are you writing really well-crafted emails, trying to separate yourself, communicating that you know how to communicate, right? Are you doing that, right? Because that's a skill as well. Are you A-B testing the different type of messages you send to people? Do you have three or four templates, and are you, are you sending some templates out to see which one gets more hits? Do you have different templates of your resume? Are you testing that, right? Are you testing, are you practicing how you respond to the simple question of tell me about yourself, right? Are you practicing how you are talking about your projects, right? right? Every one of these things I'm talking about, you control all of that right? It's not, up, it's not up to the other person. So it is a skill. Interviewing is a skill. The interview process is a skill. Getting a job is a skill, right? And the people who can't land jobs, even though they have the technical skill, is because they don't have the skill of interviewing, of communicating their value to an audience. They don't have the skill of having a right resume. Uh, I'll pause there and let, and let Austin uh, jump in. Yeah, I would also say that anybody that's using that kind of language, it's like free, you know, like like a like a fitness commercial where they're like 90 days guaranteed. It's just marketing. Like that's just marketing because they think that if you pay attention, if you buy into that, then you will give your attention to them because they are giving you something. I am. I'm also suspicious of that, but not because I take it as an affront to myself when someone says become a poet in 90 days. I'm, I'm averse to it because it, it's, it smells bad. It smells like you're probably down the line going to try to sell me something that will make a promise it can't fulfill or like a timeshare or something, you know, along these lines. Like I just don't, I would, I would just distrust the messenger there, even if they're otherwise are like, 
been in the industry a long time because that's a that sounds like a bait and hook the bait and switch to me a little bit like and then you know um so so that's my kind of take on that is like take that with a great huge grain of salt because there there's there's obviously some sort of marketing going on if, it, if it's it's just a that's a framing that marketers use yeah let's hear from elky here uh, elky's got some uh, a really good comment in the chat that i would love to uh have you verbalize here yeah uh, i was just uh typing out the rest of it so high Everyone who I haven't met yet, I'm Elke. Um, so I assume that you're talking about things like uh, the new Super Data Science 99 Days course. Um, but to pick yes. up on that, I think um, it's, well, partly it's marketing indeed. And uh, I don't know how many of you have listened to the latest episode of the Super Data Science podcast in which Kirill actually comes back and explains the meaning behind it. Um, because he himself states that it's like, if you're in the upper percentile of people putting in all of the hard work and really like putting aside all of their free time to work on this for a while, then you can get it done in 99 days, but that's not for everyone. It's only if you're willing to put in that work. If you're not, then you can yeah, spread it out over a year or two years and that's fine too. It's just a matter of priority, I think. And then on the other side of that, um, the, the part of saying that like the opportunities, well, that's Right timing is also important for opportunities. I think that these things are also partly are created by yourself because opportunities come along always. But if you're not prepared for them, you can't jump on the wagon. You can't, well, if you haven't built the confidence and the skills that are required for them, well, you might have been introduced to someone who had a position open, but you cannot, well, apply for it because you don't have the skills. Whereas if you have been working on yourself, the same opportunity would work out for you because you have the skills. You've been working on yourself. You have the confidence to step up and to say like, hey, I'm the right person for this. And I can tell you why, because I've done this in my free time and I have worked on this project and I think I can, well, prove myself to you if you give me a chance. So, oh, yeah. Man. I love that. Absolutely love that. And um apologize, I was calling you Elki, even though it's Elka. Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. It's uh, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, dude, that's uh, absolutely very well put. And I mean, you know, I'm a good friend of of super data science. Um I'll be uh emceeing date DSCO virtual again. And you know, I myself have a webinar for data science dream job called Three Steps to Land Your Dream Job in Nine Weeks. So um yeah, it's marketing, but uh you can you can make it work um if if you put put in put in the the work. And I mean uh, I'll let uh I'll, I'll pause here and I'll let uh Arindam Arindam go for it. And then we'll go back to Marin afterwards. So Arindam, I see you're unmuted. Uh, do you have anything to uh, add here, or is that just accidental? All right, Marin, go for it. Sorry. Uh, hi, Elka. Nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm talking exactly about the podcast with Kirill, and actually I have taken uh, one of his courses, and I think he's a great uh, great teacher. I, I value a lot of his courses. Uh, but the problem is I'm talking about the podcast with John about a couple of weeks ago, and in that podcast I watched it very carefully, the whole thing, and he did not mention... Yeah, if you're in the top three or whatever. Actually, he had a very anecdotal example that somebody presented, went to interview for a job at Disney and present, didn't have any experience coming from a data science course, presented a project that he had done with K-means clustering uh, about fictitious company with fictitious data, and he got the job. And uh, I'm sorry, but this is really, 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 really very rarely. And, no, man, uh, it, 
it happens more than you think, right? And I'm telling you this because like, again, I've mentored literally thousands of students and people get jobs like this a lot, right? It um, happened to me even. So yeah, it, it happens. Care. It's not rare. What you are describing, what, what the entire situation, Marin, you just talked about, it is very common in our industry, right? But the thing is, the people who are presenting these things, who are doing all this, I'm sure that they had the most stellar presentation. I'm sure not only were they able to communicate clearly their technical abilities, but they're able to demonstrate that actually they're a likable person, that they'll gel with the team, that they have storytelling and communication skills, that not only do they view it as just data and technical stuff, they're able to connect it to the real world, connect it to business value, right? Um, so if you're so myop myopically focused on just the technical skills, like I can only get the job if I have technical skills, I think that's a fallacy. Um, Austin, I see a great uh, comment here. Go for it. Yeah, I would just say that like the harm comes in not seeing that kind of language, but internalizing it and making it a reflection of like who you are and what you're capable of and what you're not. Um, like that's just not reality. It's like, it's, it, it, this is how like marketing and advertising works. It's like giving you a window onto out like what could be or a mirror to like what you currently are. And in this case, it's more of that window effect. And it's like, it's aspirational. So then like what I've found is like taking things like that with a grain of salt and being able to define um, the, the what, like the when and the how, especially if I'm like looking to achieve something, uh, being able to define that myself and, and put some of those things in this bigger context of like, okay, this is a one size fits all thing to appeal to this like broad based audience who's we've identified has this sort of mindset. Like there's a lot of stuff going on underneath all that. So like for me, I've always found it really kind of harmful to internalize those messages from these sorts of sources and instead just sort of um, define the when and the how myself. Uh, thank you, Austin. Actually, I agree with you. I also don't present it like something that's how I feel, but uh, I'm thinking that there are people out there who actually cannot do what you're just describing and they feel like like that, like the way I'm describing it. Uh, What's wrong with me? I couldn't find a job in six months and something is, uh, and I'm yeah. doing all the right things. So yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying that that's how I feel. And I understand that that's marketing and you have to really look at that the same marketing. Uh, yeah. Don't let those type of messages like, like, like what, what you're saying, like it doesn't say anything about you. Um, it's yeah. Don't feel bad that you haven't landed a job in 99 days. Right. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's not what you should be, what you should be doing. Uh, I see Deepesh has his hand up, so go for it. Yeah. Hi, Arpit. Uh, am I audible, everyone? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly clearly. All right. Yeah. So I actually wanted to share a question. It's, you know, slightly different than the topic that we currently discussed. So it's around the career path of a data scientist. Right now, you know, <clears throat> right now I'm at in the intermediate phase of my career. It's like four years of experience and in a currently business analyst consulting role. And going forward, what I see is that, you know, uh, initially I have, I have a visibility into what the data scientist is expected to do. But going forward, how does this path evolve? Say, you know, if I just compare it with any of the functional roles, when if I'm in a marketing role or if I'm in an operational role, I have a very clear cut understanding because these paths have been defined, you know, these paths have a very decent amount of history. But data scientists being a very, you know, fairly new, you know, career path altogether, 
so how does that uh, you know uh, how does that evolve going for as in like uh, in in at the senior level position say if someone is a chief data officer chief analytics officer right these are very senior level positions and very few in number so how does this role evolve and maybe some you know if someone can throw some light on a career on the career path of a data scientist especially in the at the senior level it depends on what type of company what type of industry you are in but In general there's a few different career paths at a high level and I'll send you a resource actually to to watch another a uh, great YouTube video from my good friend Vin Fashista but um I there's a few kind of career paths that that I can mention right now that off the top mm-hmm. of my head one of them is just continuing to uh as you work your way up as a data scientist you can continue to be in more of a technical type of role right um where you're kind of like moving into like the principal data scientist type of role right and principal data scientist is like you know the equivalent of like a, a vp kind of level right and that's just an extremely technical role where you're still doing a lot of nitty gritty technical stuff um day in day out right the other is like kind of like the extreme where you've put in your work as a data scientist and now you're becoming a manager of people people management type of role right um so you know in any field that, that that's in it at least you know engineering uh type of role software engineering type of roles those same type of paths exist where you have you know somebody moving up to like uh distinguished and engineer principal data scientist distinguished data scientist whatever they call it fellow data science fellow uh or just people manager and those traditional titles or you can move into like a product management type of role right where now maybe you're working with the business to develop actual products um so th- those are a few different paths i see a uh, chief data officer at that that role itself is um it's actually not really data sciencey type of role that's more of just setting the overall data strategy for entire organization which is radically different than doing data science right um so that that's what i have to say about that let me know if you have any follow up questions depesh uh yeah so yeah that completely made sense uh, one thing i'm even i'm curious about is that how do we differentiate as means uh that you pointed out in the last sentence that data strategy and a data science role is a you know are, these are two completely different things so if you could you know maybe add more you know like if you can uh, explain it in a slightly detailed manner because i have because these two terms in a different you know uh, uh, you know i am not very much aware of what the difference is for these two uh you know area so as a data scientist ultimately you are a end user of data right so you're using data to do stuff as as a data scientist right so you're you're using data you consider yourself a a user of data data strategy starts from the real world right there's a real world out here that we live in and from that real world we are capturing data right so data strategy is going to have to encompass the the data management metadata management master data management data governance data quality data stewardship right more of the process and people type of stuff right so if you have like we mentioned there's a real world like how do we govern capturing of that data right do we have people who are manually entering data into a system well then how are we going to ensure that the data that they're entering into that system is of good quality it's consistent it's mastered it's adhering to whatever standards that we have set out for the organization right um if it's you know coming from systems then same kind of thing how do we you know how do we manage the master data behind that metadata uh, things like that is that making sense mm, yep yep yeah. so for i mean 
typically data scientists, I mean, like I'm in a role where I'm done some good work for a company. Now everybody wants machine learning, but we have shitty data. And so now it's my role to create a data strategy. And that's something I've never done. And I'm realizing now that it is ridiculously different, radically different from just regular data science. So along those lines, if you are interested in learning more about that, DAMA, D-A-M-A, DAMA, they have a lot of good stuff. Um, I like this book a lot, Modern Data Strategy. This has been kind of my go-to Bible, Modern Data Strategy and uh, Navigating the Labyrinth. This is uh, executive level reading. So these two have been really helpful for me to understand that aspect of it because look, man, I'm a statistician. I'm a you know, data scientist. I'm very much on the quantitative end of it. Um, and having to manage people and processes is not what I, with respect to it, is not what I've done throughout my career. Uh, so it's been a huge learning curve. Um, I'll pause there and see if there's any follow-up questions. Elka? Uh, yeah, maybe if you're looking into another one, I just started a book. Um, I'm, I'm only on chapter one, so but so far I like it. Uh, it's called Data uh, Designing Data oh, Intensive Applications. Yeah, that's a good it's, one too. It seems to be really good and it's also yeah. more towards data strategy. Yeah, yeah. And that one's really technical as well. Uh, so that's like more about the, that is a perfect book for like a data architect. Um, that's more of a, yeah, I'd say like a data architect type of role would, would really uh, benefit from that book. But yeah, that book is really good. Uh, Marco, go for it. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Um, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, um, for me, I'm a data scientist, kind of seven months in a postgrad, um, and I'm working as, a, as an architect. So uh, I suppose my company need to start doing data science, um, but we're relatively a young company, um, kind of still of a startup. So the argument coming from management is we obviously don't have a lot of real data floating around at the moment. So like I've tried to put the, the, the to put the, 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 I suppose the argument back that between the data strategy, between building the architecture, and looking at pipelines, doing proof of concepts, uh, using uh, simulations and augmented data that, you know, there's no reason why we wouldn't start now. Um, and I'm dealing, I think, with a lot of people who maybe just don't really fully understand the field. And um, so just looking maybe any advice on how can I, um, I've already been told not this year. So how do, how, how could I re-engage with that conversation um, uh, to get some maybe a positive outcome on it? <laughs> you got to first build something, don't ask for permission, build something, show its value, and then say, hey, look at this. I could do a whole bunch more. Uh, let's talk about data strategy. That's the approach I would take. Um, I'm more of a, uh, I don't ask permission for anything. I just kind of do things because, uh, I mean, what are they going to do? Fire? Yeah, that was that was my plan. So I'm just trying to get I'm trying to get some try to get some data from DevOps and then try and work with that because that's actually yeah. the only kind of data that's, that we have available. That's always a, 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 a DevOps people hate me um, because I I like you know I'll bypass stuff just by you know like okay I can't connect with our with our enterprise account with our cloud stuff cool i'll yeah. just a personal free tier and just do it that way and i'll just export whatever i need from the database as csvs and i'll just put it there or whatever uh or i'll back it up locally and then connect it there and yeah they they don't like when i do things like that but um i mean you got to take risk right you, gotta, you have to take risk yeah 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 you no know? so um i mean that's what i would do um because all right yeah. cool i mean honestly right because like i 
I'm just going to talk about my work philosophy, right? Because I don't want to spend time doing things I don't want to do. And if I have to spend my time convincing people to let me do the work that I want to do, then why not just apply for a job somewhere else where I don't have to convince anybody and I can just do the stuff I want to do, right? So that's an option. Yeah. Uh, leave your company and go start another company that's ready for you to do your stuff um, or continue to find the up, fight an uphill battle for whatever reason, if that's what you want to do, by all means do it. Or staying where you currently are, uh, defying all the rules, pissing off DevOps, uh, but showing value somehow. Um, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting company. Um, and what makes it interesting to stay and try and push the data side is that I get the experience of just starting it from absolute scratch. As mm-hmm. painful as it probably will be, and I'm relatively new to it, uh, I think that's quite a challenging aspect to it. Um, so that's kind of the reason that I'm still here fighting the fight. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's other opportunities to, if that does, it does fail, but I don't want to jump ship too soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's people who probably will speak a lot better to change management and, you know, how to fight organizational resistance better than I would. My, my whole philosophy is dude, like if I have to fight somebody for me to do the work that I want to do, then I should probably just get a job somewhere where I don't have to do that. Uh, because I, I just, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in like change management or changing the perspective of business stakeholders like that. Eh. Not, not, you know, trying to convince you to use data to deliver value. That's not something I personally want to do. Like, that's not a fight I'm interested in fighting. Um, so I would, I'd circumvent that by saying, all right, well, if this is not happening here, then first of all, why did you hire me? Um, I'll just go do it somewhere else where they want me to do it or you know, take the approach of just building something out um, without permission and going for it, taking that risk, delivering value um, and seeing what happens. And I know, you know, people are going to disagree with me by all means disagree with me all you want i'm just saying uh that's my personal philosophy when it comes to work okay thanks very much yeah um see if anybody else has any questions or comments uh in the meantime i'll give you guys a opportunity to come up with questions or comments i just wanted to point you to uh i think it was Deepesh that was asking about um uh, some resources go to vin Vashista's website the hide roi data scientist uh hands down probably like the person i respect the most in this field is vin um like i absolutely absolutely love this guy uh he's got a lot of great uh resources you might be interested in this one right here um dipesh where he talks about how he became a chief data scientist um what are the four responsibilities of a chief data scientist um so these are kind of like how those different paths that you're asking for he goes into you know a lot of detail um business strategy versus data strategy um things like that so definitely check this uh stuff out um I'm actually going to be next week. I'll be in his uh, signed up for his uh, it's called a business strategy seminar. He's got two courses, uh, I think two, three hour days or two, four hour days or something like that. Um, next Saturday and Sunday. I'm excited for that, man. I think I'm going to be learning a ton from him on that, but I'll put a link to Vin's YouTube channel right here. Hands down. Like, like I don't think I respect anyone in data science as much as I respect Vin. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Marion, what is your opinion on trying to learn things in different areas of data science, predictive analytics, computer vision, NLC versus focusing on one area? Um, yeah. So this is this is an interesting question. This is that old uh, question about specialization versus generalization. And I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And um, I've always been the type of person who thinks that you should 
generalize, but then I'm realizing that when I say generalize, I mean generalize across disciplines, meaning expose yourself to a wide number of disciplines. But the discipline that you are in, you should probably go deep on at least one or two key areas, right? So within the realm of data science, for example, me, like statistics is like the thing that I'm the best at statistics and, you know, machine learning is the two things that I'm the best at and not deep learning, not like those crazy, you know, crazy GPT-3 type of things, but classical machine learning. So what I would say, my opinion there is like within data science itself, maybe get good, really good, be known, well-known for like two things, one thing or two things most, and then know a little bit about kind of everything else. So kind of dabble around but get really good at a couple of things. Uh, Marin, what are you thinking? I'd love to hear from everybody else on this as well. We can go to uh, after Marin. Let's hear from uh, Elka. Uh, I'm actually more, the question, uh, I understand what you're saying, and that's one side of the question, uh, being jack of all trades and being the master of one domain, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other thing is you can tie it actually to the current job market because in data science, if you look for data science positions, it's either strictly focused on computer vision or NLP mostly, NLP focused. And actually, I'm surprised that predictive analytics is not really represented very well in, in job postings, at least what I have encountered. I, I, I sort of think that's because maybe that's not how a lot of people define it in a way. It has a broader definition, so you cannot pinpoint computer vision and NLP are really very, very straightforward. You can, reading the, the job description, you know that this is NLP position or this is a computer vision position. With predictive analytics, it's a little bit sort of marketing, finance, and so on. So it's a lot of different things that we can bundle in all that. Uh, so, and in that regard, I understand what you're saying. And initially, that's what I did when I was doing the online courses. I tried to learn a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I come... I have education in physics. I have done a lot of statistics. I've been basically collecting data from measurements, processing the data, and done a lot of statistical analysis and fitting data. And that a lot of this comes into the field of predictive analytics can be used there. So sort of, I'm not a master in that field, but that's my strong suit. Let's put it that way. But let's say I want to expand and have a little bit more options. Uh, let's say I could become sort of a uh, proficient enough so that I can attract interest in another area. Which one would you pick and which one would take you? I, I mean, you have time limitations. So let's say I have two months to sort of get up to speed in one of these areas that I can present to somebody and convince them that I'm a good fit for the job. I can do the job. Uh, which one do you think is better uh, for a person like me to sort of try and venture and try to master some things? Vision or NLP? What are you most interested in? That's Actually, let's put it this way. Uh, both of them are 50-50. I don't have bias one way or another. Again, it comes basically down to efficiency, to time limitations. Mm-hmm. If you tell me that I need to spend at least six months to master things, into, uh, actually, that's not also true. Uh, okay, let, let's, let me just finish. Uh, going to the time limit question. If I need to go really deep to be competitive in computer vision, for example, it 
my peers that are applying to the same job and I need to spend six months to get to that level that I can com compete with these guys, then that's probably not something for me. If NLP, I can do it in two or three months to, to be able to compete with somebody, that's fine. Again, starting from the point that I don't have bias, I'm, I'm equally excited to work on both of those. Uh, but the other thing is also resources. Or do I need to get proficient in computer vision? And uh, basically in practice also in industry, computer vision is sort of, it requires a lot of resources. It's humongous amount of data that we need to process. Images are basically something that takes a lot of, memory or not or not so all these considerations uh, uh, <laughs> a lot, uh, lot of considerations but but i think uh, somewhere in there you have answered your own question uh, it sounds to me kind of like somewhere in there you answered your own question but just real quick i mean I, just to have a bit of a hypothesis and i think it's you know roles like this um we're talking about specialization i think you'll tend to find that at bigger companies they probably would like more of a generalist role right and you know larger 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 organizations that are solving a number of different problems but i find in startups that's where you get those really highly specialized roles because startups are usually built up to solve a particular type of problem and so they need a particular type of skill set to help make progress against that type of problem right so given you know your situation uh, what you're describing. If I was in your shoes, this is probably the steps I would take. I would go to crunchbase.com. I would look for, and if we're just right now, we're just focused on one of two options, NLP or computer vision, right? Go to crunchbase.com. Look like you, you all pull it up crunchbase. Uh, I don't, I think I canceled my premium membership, but if you go to crunchbase, you can type in like natural language processing and look for companies in San Diego that are doing natural language processing and see how many companies recently got funded. If they recently got funded, probably means they're going to be hiring, right? Do the same thing for computer vision, right? And look and see, okay, what are what opportunities are available to me, right? So if you go to Crunchbase, uh, if we do like an advanced search, I, I'd recently canceled my um, premium membership. So let's see if they let me um, search anything. But if we go to like natural language processing and um, we'll just put San Diego for right now, right? Uh, and that um, you can do a free trial, whatever, right? Um, and look through here and say, okay, well, there's a bunch of companies here doing natural language processing. Now let me look and see which ones recently got funded, right? Um, you know, you can you can dig around here and, and do all that stuff. And I'd probably go for smaller companies, right? Less than 100 people um, and see what happens in terms of which companies got funded, see if any of these companies have job openings, right? And do the same thing with computer vision, right? Um, and I, I don't know if I'm roundaboutly answering your question or not, uh, but I would say computer vision, right? And then now let me see, okay, what are the opportunities ahead of me, right? So I looked at I looked at some companies in San Diego working on uh, NLP, worked on some, looked at, you know, same thing with computer visions. What are the opportunities ahead of me? Right. And then pick your path going that way. Right. So I don't know if that's answering your question or not, um, but I'll, I'll open it back half, up. Half of it, basically, you're putting forward the, the supply. Mm -hmm. uh, you make your decision based on what kind, I mean, where you have more options yeah, or more opportunities. Get but paid, again, right? <laughs> that doesn't answer the question of, uh, I'm talking from the point of view that, let's say, I don't have a lot of experience and I cannot gauge how much time I'll need. Again, it's a personal thing, but uh, let's say that I'm fast learner and so on and so on. And it will take me equally to, to master something, uh, which is which requires less time to master. If you pick up only a few things, of course, computer vision is image classification, object detection, segmentation, yeah, and so on. That's a lot. And NLP yeah. has their own 
kind of things works that you you can do summarization you can do entity uh, recognition and so on name entity recognition you can do uh, uh yeah, and, any sentiment uh, analysis, all that stuff. Yeah, there's any any number of things. Sorry, just to put you on mute there, just to kind of keep the conversation moving here. Figure out what it is that you actually enjoy doing, because whatever it is that you actually enjoy doing, you're going to learn that so much quicker, right? So between computer vision and NLP, just say, okay, what what actually do I like doing? Because mastery is a function of your interest, right? Like you're not going to master anything unless you actually enjoy that thing and want to get good at it. Right. Um, so, I mean, for me personally, like if I was having to choose between one or the other, I'd probably choose NLP because it's more kind of uh, statistics and familiar to me than computer vision. Computer vision to me is just this weird, fancy thing. That's mostly just computer science. Whereas NLP to me feels like uh, a lot more of statistics and something that I can quickly get up to speed on and learn about. Uh, I'd love to hear from Elka on this one though. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my choice would be. I think it's the issue with, with the question is also that like the concept of mastery is so vague. It's, I mean, in both fields, like put a week of work into it and you can build a computer vision model or an NLP model, but put years of work in it and you will still not be an expert in the sense that you will know everything there is to know because the fields are just, you can go so deep and it's moving so quickly that you never will be. The more you know of it, the more you will also start seeing what you don't know. Um, I feel that's true for the entire field of data science, but also for these more specific uh, yeah, channels inside of it. So I think it's just a matter of your interest indeed, like choose something or a few things that you that you, you are passionate about, that you want to spend time on doing and also realize that you will continuously be learning. And even when you do that job, that's not an end point. It's just like the next step of the journey, but you will need to keep working on yourself and keep learning to to improve because yeah it's it's moving so fast yeah go for it Mary. Uh, i just like uh, agree mastering is something that is really not well defined uh but what i try to relate to interpret is actually i mentioned i'm trying to get to a skill level that i could be competitive with the people that compete for the same position with me that that was what i was say getting to a level that would be something that I could expect that somebody will be willing to talk to me or I can get the job. That, that was what I considered. Uh, that was basically the narrowing down the level to which I want to, to go into. Yeah, I, I know I have done CNNs in a couple of days just for image classification for fun and I have done NLP also uh, and I know that in a couple of days you can do any anything you want or a week but that doesn't make you skilled enough or proficient enough so just test it right why don't you do this do maybe focus a month on NLP build out a project learn as much as you can in a month about NLP do the same thing with computer vision one month focus on computer vision learn as much as you can build out some projects and then apply to a number of jobs in NLP and in computer vision, then actually go on interviews, see what kind of questions you get asked and see your ability to answer those questions, right? And gauge which one is tending to progress further along in the interview process and then just double down on that. I was hoping to cheat here and speed up the process to hear from your opinion, which one is sort of more, gives you more opportunities and it is easier to enter into. So uh -huh. yeah. I understand your question. Uh, yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying, and that's what I actually have been doing and I have done. Yeah. But if somebody can say from their own experience, hey, I have tried both, but 
at least to me, it seemed like this was taking me more time. Uh, sort of, I'm looking for a help and validation from somebody's else experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know the right way, but let's say I have the time to do only one. The, the, that was my question. Forget, I don't want to go into that, so don't want to hijack the, the whole yeah, talk. Yeah. But, but thanks, understand the understand the point and that's the correct point yeah definitely and i mean like i said that's you know it's all going to be different for different people it depends on what it is that you're most interested in which is why i always always say just take a look at what it is that you actually want to do what's clicking more with you right and then just just focus on that um just just whatever it is that you find yourself just oh yeah I'm like this i just get let me just do that yeah at this point i would consider this what i'm talking about getting more data I'm asking people who know about it, mm-hmm. getting their opinion, and that for me is a data input. Got and then you, I, yeah. I, I can basically make my own decision or decide, okay, whatever it is. Yeah. analysis on the, the data. So this is a data collection. Software. Interesting. I like that. Elka? Yeah, I guess maybe a good idea would be then to reach out to experts like LinkedIn or something, people who are working in the field and asking mm-hmm. them, because at least for me, it's really difficult to, to answer such a question like with the exact type of answer you want, because I'm not working in computer vision or NLP, so I, I don't know what is required for a starting position. And people who are working in the field will will have a bet, um, much better view on that. So I would say filter through LinkedIn, send out some messages, try to get a conversation started with people who are working in this field and you're networking along the way. So it can only help. That's fine. Yeah, I understand. I just don't, I'm new here and I don't know a lot about all of us here. So hoping that yeah. somebody has experience in any of, it, of these areas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's... Uh computer vision expert those guys are just they're too smart to hang out with me um the guy's too magical but i mean i like that idea you could just yeah i would post on linkedin just real quick on linkedin say hey just interested in hearing people's experience about computer vision versus nlp and then do like the hashtag data science hashtag ml hashtag computer science hashtag nlp whatever and then tag me and then tag a bunch of other people so that the message spreads and then light will like and comment it on it and hopefully people will engage with that and then you can get some of that um, information that you're looking for um, and or uh, El- Elka's uh, suggestion is amazing as well so that's probably going to be the best way um, but yeah if anybody here has done NLP or computer vision definitely go for it let us know Austin do you guys have any computer vision versus NLP projects on uh, Comet MLs I know you guys do a lot of really cool interesting stuff on the uh, tutorials and blogs yeah um, we've got some stuff around sentiment analysis and then I think some uh, some work around like image classification focus mostly on like working with confusion matrices um, for image classification kind of like debug classification models that way mm-hmm. um, and then we also have I think a report or a couple of blog posts that run through a series on sentiment analysis um, yeah yeah Awesome. Cool. Oh yeah. That's uh, Christoph. That's right. Christoph is one of our community members. He's actually really into uh, NLP. That's right. Um, so definitely, I mean, that, that makes something easier, right? If you have somebody who's already interested in it, maybe you can tag team with them on a project or pick their brain on it. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out to, uh, to Christoph as well. Um, cool, man. Any other questions on anything at this point? I'm happy to, to open it up. Otherwise we can start to wind stuff down here, my friends. Does not look like it. Cool, guys. Well, hopefully you guys get an opportunity to uh, tune into the latest episode of the podcast. I released one with uh, Jamie Woodhouse on Friday. It was cool talking about this philosophy called sentientism. Uh, it was a really interesting uh, discussion for me. 
you know, I, I love philosophy. I love talking to philosophers. So it was fun to, uh, to chat with him also on Friday, man, I was like all over LinkedIn. So hopefully you guys get an opportunity to check out some of that stuff. If you, uh, like to hear me rant, um, I tend to do that a lot. Um, so I was on the, uh, um, lights on data show and how to get an analytics job show both live on LinkedIn and then followed by obviously the artist of data science happy hour. Um, and all that stuff is uh, on the podcast as well. does not look like there are any other questions. All good, man. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to be here with you guys this morning. Have a good rest of the weekend. Uh, happy father's day to anybody listening. Happy father's day to all your fathers. Take care. Have a good rest of the uh, day, wherever you are. Remember you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do some big cheers, everyone. Cheers.